I watched one the other day of The Rock imitating other wrestlers. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Triple H, <laughs> the gamer. <laughs> you want to step into the ring? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It is good. And the World Cup for Japan. They have rewritten the history books in Germany. Welcome, everybody, to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. <laughs> I am Lewis here, my co host. <laughs> the game of Lewis. You can check last week's uh, recording if you have no idea what we're on about. Uh, welcome to anyone that is joining us for the first time. Um, so, this is the final uh, Women's World Cup that we are covering in this uh, particular season. Um, well, we've run out of them. It's not the last one we're doing. They're no, just, but there aren't any more. Sure, but we might be appro- We will probably cover them again if this podcast is still going in four years, which mm-hmm. who knows. Um, but we will explain at the end of this episode where we're going next in terms of our new yes, series. I've forgotten that. Yeah. that moment. Well, that's good. I hope that you are thoroughly prepared for when we start recording next week. So we are going to do a bit more of an informal chat back and forth about the 2023 Women's World Cup final for a couple of reasons, really. I guess first, because uh, it's much more recent. The majority of people that are listening to the podcast probably watch the final. But also, I think it's it's always difficult to really dissect and relive a final that you lost when, when you were personally invested. Or at yeah, least I feel that yeah, way. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, we were going to do an emergency one, weren't we, if they won it? That's right, yeah. Riding high on the emotions. Yeah. But, but we kind of decided to not. No, you're, at this point we're kind of just still sifting through the emotional rubble of it all. For me the grief is still too near. Yeah, I think it just would have been a, a, a grieve for 30 minutes. Yeah. Which this might still be a little bit. But. Yeah, I think so. But ultimately it was a captivating tournament. It was definitely, and it, this is the trend that we've spoken about a lot, but it was the tournament that the most people were watching. It wasn't unusual to have conversations uh, about the Women's World Cup, which um, for it to be a bit more commonplace was quite refreshing, really. It was brilliant. I mean, it's the first the first Women's World Cup that I've like properly followed. Yeah. We've spoken about the fact that I've you know come, I think, more recently to women's football than you. I remember, as we've talked about, the 2015, 2019, yeah. maybe bits that I yeah, kind yeah. of I remember, but, but before that... Basically nothing. No, of course. Um, so, yeah, this, but this is brilliant. I followed this like I followed other tournaments. Yeah, I think the only disappointment, but it's disappointment from a Northern Hemisphere um, point of view, but I'm sure it was great for the Southern Hemisphere. But for those that don't know, it was hosted in Australia and New Zealand joint, uh, which just meant that for yeah. us Northern Hemisphere listeners, it was kind of like, oh, 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. It's yeah, it the England game. So you kind minutes. of, luckily, both of us have jobs that most of the time we could have it on a second screen whilst we were working. Hang on a minute. You work for me. Yeah, I'm your employee, but... <laughs> You hadn't told me that. <laughs> so I, I, you, I, I was like working on, mate. <laughs> I got paid to uh, watch the England game. How incredible is that? Ad? I just uh, such generous bosses. <laughs> your bosses are mug, mate. <laughs> Uh, to be fair, this is a good anecdote, though, to talk about how football bled in. So I was at a client's, uh, I worked in IT, I was at a client's sorting some of their computers, and up on the big screen they have in their oh, workplace nice, yeah. was the England game, and it's two blokes that are very manly alpha males, and they wouldn't normally 
be interested in this. I, I, I just we've known them for about four or five years. I know that they would not have cared even about the Euros particularly yeah. a couple of years ago. But I think as we've spoken about, because of the success of the England team, because of it it becoming a headline thing when they're playing, mm. they were cheering the goals, they were loving it, and they're not the type of stereotypical people that you would expect to be following the England games, but they were loving it. So I think it's a good example yeah, of how this right. seemed to cross even more uh, boundaries in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. And get more and more people in. So this World Cup was expanded from 24 teams to 32. Uh, so there was a lot of nations making their World Cup days. Is that the same as a men's tournament though? Or is a men's tournament no, about men's to go up just about to go up again. That's right, they were going to have like 94 groups of three, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's, it's going to be ridiculous yeah. moving forward. But then the Champions League's expanding. Look, just football everywhere is expanding. The FIFA World Cup so is... It's going to be like a six-month tournament. Yeah, I, I it, just, it's, it is becoming... I like the big mo, you know? The big mo the big of mo? a tournament. Of, oh, so you, Not sorry, your you like, ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you like the big mo, and I was like, of what? Of, of the tournament? Of the yeah, tournament sorry, getting sorry, going. Sorry. I don't like that feeling of like, how long is this bloody tournament on? Yeah, type and it's thing. another game that we don't particularly care about. Right. Yeah. yeah. Especially, even if you finish like third in your groups moving forward, it won't really matter. You'll no, probably still, still qualify. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a, a little less drama uh, moving forward with these World Cups. But um, Sorry, back to the 32 teams. Sorry. Yeah, so they've expanded to 32 teams. New Zealand and Australia hosting the first major tournament in Australasia. Did New Zealand as well? Oceania. They? they did, yeah. Yeah, don't it was split. We, did we play New Zealand? No, so what? I don't think we did. What they tried to do from memory is they split like half the teams in the group stages so they didn't have to travel between the countries continually. Okay. Obviously, one for the for the players themselves, but also for fans so that they could go, I'm going to buy, especially in New Zealand, which is considerably smaller, I'm going to buy a place at a hotel for the like... 10 days right, of the group yeah, stages yeah. buy my tickets and then we'll see where we go from there so I think the semi-finals and the finals I, I want to say were all Australia but I I think, well I didn't know I didn't if you asked me I would have said Australia I don't yeah. remember there being games so this in, might jog your memory for a, a bit of a, a bad reason so the morning of the tournament the opening ceremony was marred yes because of the Auckland shooting yeah so there I was do remember that yeah. yeah it was unrelated um to the football tournament taking place but obviously really sad that um some people lost their lives from a shooting on the morning of the tournament yeah. so yeah that's kind of that's the Auckland side of things um it was also the first time that all teams so again one of those little markers that we've kind of ticked off every time that we've covered a World Cup in the way that the professionalism and the funding and everything has gone up in the women's game. It's the first time that all teams had dedicated base camps, which is really? obviously, yeah, really strange that that wasn't, especially even in the more recent tournaments, four years ago, each team didn't have their own dedicated kind of hotel, training facilities, that kind of thing. Well, it just moved around. I guess so. Right. Or, or they just didn't, you know, they had to share with other teams, maybe. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what it was before, but right. I saw that it was noted, which I thought was interesting. But it's great that it's made that professional thing. Certainly from the men's side, does it make that much of a difference? Because I feel like in the lead up to a big tournament, they know that the World Cup or the Euros sells. So a lot of newspapers try and obviously have a, a long lead into those tournaments. Mm. And it feels to me, certainly around like the Sven era of men's football, that the base camp became a really controversial, like, oh, it's really important that we get this base camp. And like, oh, we've sent out scouts to three different locations to decide which one's best. Wasn't that, does I it think, make that much I've, of a difference? I think there's a little bit of the. The onset of twenty four hour news. Yeah, and like, do you remember like um, Sky Sports World Cup report? Vaguely, that was like two hours long every morning. Every That's morning, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. England play three times in nine days. But every morning, there's a two hour program. Yeah, and I watched it. Of course, you did. Yeah, because all you know, all the kind of graphics went gold. Yeah, so that <laughs> it's yeah. like transfer window. Deadline and you, day. you knew. Yeah, like, it's World Cup report. Yeah, everyone knows Baden Baden. 
Yes, <laughs> there we go. We shouldn't know For that. For no apparent yeah, reason. That shouldn't be in our head that yeah. that was such a big thing. Uh, and before that, as it might be a bit before your time, Le Mango was another one that where right. Gaza got dropped and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And I think that's what it is, is they create stories before there's a need for a story. Yeah. yeah. But the story is the World Cup, and yet it became... I feel like it started with Italian 90, where they let camera crew the into the England camp for yeah, the first time. Uh, and then obviously you had all the stuff of the Euro 96 and kind of like against the press with the dentist chair and yeah. all the rest of it. And they, um, Steve McMahon, do you remember he tore up that England, uh, the Sun newspaper? I don't remember they did that. It, yeah, in front of the TV cameras. and Lovely bit of drama. Well, yeah, it's all, it's all a bit. But it, it ultimately, the, the media were like, this is fantastic. Yeah, of course. Because people are watching up. this. and So I, f- I feel like it came from that. But I agree with you, like professional footballers... It's become too globalised now. There can't yeah. be, like, they'll all pretty much be the same hotels, pretty much the same level of facilities, and they're flying to games most of the time anyway. Yeah. So what difference does it make if it's a two-hour flight or an hour flight? I guess really? the idea, maybe if you're away for a month, which they will be close to if you go deep into the tournament, there's yeah. an element where you want to make a home, you know, an element of yeah, that's stability. True. And they do say, I mean, it sounds like a champagne problem, but they do say... One of the things that's a struggle with those things is the amount of time you're away and yeah, you're in your course. hotel room. And quite time a lot. to kill as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, they do all this thing, don't they, where they fly arcade games and yeah. snooker tables and all this kind of crap. It sounds amazing to me and you, but all you ever hear footballers do is moan about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. And how hard it is yeah. and all the rest of it. So but you can understand. If you were England manager, would you allow and I'm just using it as a catch-all term, the wags, because there's some oh, managers that are like, yeah, some managers that are like, no, it's closed, like, we need to focus on what we're doing. Yeah. And other managers that are a lot more relaxed and say, well, obviously, we want you to see your friends and family yeah. during this time away. When the wives and girlfriends of England's footballers arrived in Germany in 2006, they made more headlines than Sven's men ever did. With the likes of Victoria Beckham, Cheryl Cole and Colleen Rooney descending on Baden-Baden, there was a media frenzy one which many saw as a distraction to those on the pitch. If you were Sven... <laughs> I've thought about this many times, retiring with many women. And someone came to you and said, do you want Cheryl Cole hanging around for the next month? Well, I'd say yes. <laughs> Especially if I was Sven. <laughs> then I think we can see how he got there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You know? <laughs> Uh, whenever I think of Sven, I think of Ulrika. And whenever I think of Ulrika, I think of shooting stars. Yeah. Going, Ulrika. <laughs> Strange link. Probably yeah. very unfair on Ulrika Johnson. Yeah. But there's a name you don't hear much nowadays. You don't, but no, you take don't. me back to the 90s. I'm thinking of Ulrika Johnson. I'm thinking of the big breakfast. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of TGI, <laughs> not TGI, TFI Fridays. Oh, great times, mate. Great, great times. Great times to be, be back. Great times to be nine, like you were. Well, yeah, you know, I was an advanced <laughs> nine-year-old. Are you thinking about Eureka Johnson when you're nine? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it awakens something in me. <laughs> A blonde Swede. <laughs> Stop talking about it. So, yeah, moving back to the football. Uh, an interesting fact that I thought, especially with all the controversy we've had about the Mary Earps, um, goalkeeper kits. So, just I'm yeah. sure everyone's aware of it, but Nike refused to uh, make a... Um, commercially available goalkeepers kicks. They said I wouldn't sell enough. But the Matildas, which is the um, nickname of the Australian women's team, they outsold the Socceroos in kits in that year, which I thought was a a good little kind of just nod to the fact that because, again, the success hosting obviously had a massive part of it, but people weren't just buying an Australian shirt. They were all buying the women's shirt. Was that only then? Because obviously the, uh, the comparative argument there is the Socceroos aren't particularly big. No, of course. I think that was the point that the article I read was making is the fact that for soccer not being a huge sport in Australia, yeah. the fact that 
people were putting their money where their mouth was and actually yeah, yeah. buying merchandise, buying shirts, wearing them, getting behind the, the Matildas yeah. was an interesting gesture. Again, just another one of those slow little markers of, of the women's game kind yeah. of catching up to where yeah. the men's game is. Um, but on to the football themselves. So again, this is no spoilers because everyone knows what happened. But uh, interesting thing that I've forgotten is that Spain had lost quite handsomely to the Japanese yeah. in the group stages. That's right. Uh, yeah. They lost 4-0, which I totally forgot. Which Well, they were in a bit of disarray, weren't they, as a, as a squad coming yeah. into the World Cup? So, which uh, obviously has been unbelievably documented and highlighted now. Yeah, but. I'm sure we'll touch on it as we talk about it, because how can we not? Obviously, we're, it's been spoken about from every different angle, and we don't have anything particularly new to say. Um, but again, for those that might not know of the drama before heading into the World Cup, um, a, a huge number of the Spanish national team, uh, after qualifying for the World Cup, wrote an open letter boycotting... Women's national team. Women's national yeah, team, yeah. that's right. Uh, I think it was 15 women said that they wouldn't be prepared to come represent, especially under Jorge Vilda, who was... This was the manager they had a problem with. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So not the guy that kissed Not Luis R- Rubiales, yeah. although they did reference, you know, systematic issues sure. and um, not corruption as such, but unsafe work practices, um, questions about funding, questions obviously about ethics and morals, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it was specifically named as Jorge Vilda saying, we do not want to come and play under him now spain did what spain have done this time which was which was they called up a number of them that had said they boycotted anyway and a few of them did return to the spain setup because they said you know we've publicly made our stance clear we're really unhappy but why should we be the ones to suffer and miss out on a on a world cup the highlight of our career yeah um so there was obviously tension and like you say disarray heading into it this is a very divided team where some of their best players were left behind because they were sticking to their principles saying no while builder is there we are not gonna uh, come back to the squad so yeah they i think spain were despite the fact they have got a number of the world's best players um but alexia putier's Never pronounce her last name. Putelés, that one's Putelés. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Alexia Putelés, world's best player and Spain's best player, had an ACL injury, I think, and been out for a long, long time. Um, all the stuff happening off the field. Yeah, Spain were definitely one of those like hugely gifted teams, but are a they a bit really? like the France men's team? Yeah, almost yeah, exactly. every World Cup. Yeah. Obviously, not at the moment, but certainly as we were growing Historically, up. Historically, yeah. Yeah, they were just like, they'll probably have a fight. Yeah, exactly. We'll they'll just probably fall out with each other. Exactly. It'll all happen on the team bus, yeah. and then we'll hear about like so and so's punch so and so, and so and so. Usually, William Gallas. Oh, big William Gallas. I got, I don't actually. You know, I think he's a bit of a knob from things I've read, but I do. I've got a lot of time for any centre back that chooses to wear the number ten. I just think yes, <laughs> that is setting your stool out. I like yeah. a man that can come in and dominate a changing room like that. <laughs> out of my way, I'm Maradona, the number ten here. Give it up, mate. <laughs> I'm the number ten in me. It's like the uh, Captain Phillips. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Okay, so uh, England, however, they won all three group games. Though we were. We got the results, if even if we were unspectacular yeah, in the group stages. It wasn't quite the England of the Euros, was it? No, obviously we'd had huge injuries to Frank Kirby, Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, which um, you know are three of our most important players. So it was obviously going to change us a little bit. Uh, and you had the injury to Kira Walsh, of in course, the yeah, in the game, second game. Yeah. That's right, and which looked a lot more serious than it turned out to be. Yeah. But there, yeah, it was disruptive. It wasn't particularly clicking. There was the argument of again of you know. Heading into tournament, does Rachel Daly start as a striker? Yeah. Does she go left back? Uh, which she did the majority of the games at left back, a few minutes up top. But it was 
it didn't look convincing, and I was worried, especially in, our, I think I said in the previous pod about our defence, but ironically, people like Jess Carter stepped up massively. Millie Bright had a good tournament, and Alex Greenwood. Alex Greenwood was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. she was unreal. So, ironically, it was our defence that wasn't particularly much of a worry. That yeah. seemed solid. It was going forward until Lauren James became the kind of great, white hope of England yeah. uh, and then she had her moment of madness yeah. so yeah it's very interesting but just before we move on from the group stages and actually talk about a little bit of the game and the fallout I just wanted to make people aware because again might be telling people to how to suck eggs but Linda Caicedo Colombian player has an, just an incredible story she obviously played well against England she got the goal of the tournament for some filthy skill um, when she scored one of her goals but for those that don't know Linda Caicedo she's ju- well she's spent one season at Real Madrid uh, she's only 18 years old and is already one of the world's best players but she at 15 years old was complaining about um, stomach pain she went to doctors found out she had cancer and basically spent six months in chemo. She was bedridden. She couldn't do anything. So at 15 years old, this incredibly talented uh, Colombian forward um, had to spend two years not running, not kicking a football, going through chemotherapy, being bedridden, obviously depressed because she couldn't do anything, and basically made a full recovery and is now lighting up the world stage. And I just think it's a lovely, for yeah. 18, to have the mental fortitude. But remember the name Linda Caicedo because she is just an outrageously talented player. So she's only 18, but let me just already give you the list of honours that Linda Caicedo has to her name as an 18-year-old. So she was the Women's Revelations Best Cup player. She was named in the Best Youth Under-21 player in 2022. She was in the Femina Football Team of the Year, Femina Young Player of the Year. She was in the Copper America Best 11, Colombian Women's Football League Top Goalscorer, Copper Libertadores Team of the Season, Copper Libertadores Top Goalscorer, Under-17 Bronze Boot, Under-17 Silver Ball, Copper America Femenina Golden Ball winner, and she was named in the goal, uh, she won goal of the tournament. So it's just an outrageous, not yeah, not bad for an 18-year-old. Yeah. I just think it's a lovely story when you see her, because she's one of those exciting players as well, kind of like Lauren James. When she gets on the ball, we're like, right, what's going to happen next? Yeah. But I just what what would nice. your list have read at 18, mate? Oh, I would have said he's turned up to... <laughs> would it? To, well, <laughs> he's turned up late <laughs> to most games this season. He's run the most, but often leading to a goal kick. <laughs> He's dribbled with the ball, he's beaten six players, and it's a goal kick. Brilliant stuff. Do get a trophy for that uh, one, mate. Well, try hard, you know, best improved, most improved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have hated that. I, I'm sure it's a good award. I won people. most improved. Did you? At Bobby Moore's soccer school, and I was dead chuffed, and I didn't know the negative connotation. Yeah. Well, and I was dead chuffed, and my older brother... <laughs> oh, no. He didn't win an award, ah, and he let me have about three minutes of glory, and then... He was just like, it just means you were a shit at the start. <laughs> I was like, I was Cheers. like 10. Just taking the joy out. Yeah, I didn't know. Such a striker mentality from your brother there. Yeah, striker being the word. <laughs> yeah. if, I haven't, <laughs> if I haven't won, no one else can win. That's great. Um, but now that we've spoken a little bit about the uh, tournament, let's get into the final. Villa. And still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run! He scored! Amazing goal by Ricky Villa! So I don't know if there's really loads to say. There's obviously a few bullet points about the game itself, but uh, both teams had kind of um, done okay through the semi-finals. Spain had gone to extra time. Uh, again, n- Spain hadn't been spectacular. England hadn't been spectacular. And both teams kind of, I felt like, 
I did feel like it was evenly matched. What was England's semi? Fresh my memory. England's semi was. It was against the hosts, uh, Australia, where Sam Kerr scored oh, a brilliant yeah, goal. Oh, yeah, that was a cracking goal. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah Elatoon yeah. who scored. To be fair, Elatoon's goal was brilliant. Yes, who it was. Overall, had had a pretty disappointing tournament. I don't think yeah. she, she played brilliantly for England. A little bit, like, not sure. I'm... I, I think Wigman was Wigman was a little bit unsure where she should play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Is how it came across. Yeah, with the Euros, there was a very set thing, wasn't there, where Russo and um, Elatum would come on. Yeah, who was that? who would they come on for? Frank oh, Kirby, um, Beth and, White, uh, Ellen White, Ellen White. Sorry, yeah. not Beth White. Beth White, Beth Mead, and Ellen. Thank White. you. Um, and that was very set, wasn't it? Almost every single game that happened. Yeah, and it felt a little bit confused as to what was the first. You know who was going to be play up front first? Who I, was it wasn't as um, well oiled machine? No, it wasn't. Um, I think questions going into the Euros was the big question was with Leah Williamson: would she play centre defence or would she go into midfield? But I think Fran Kirby often doesn't get the credit that she deserves because yeah. her ability to float between the very front line and the midfield and stitch everything together and always be an option. I think Ellerton was being asked to play that role, but I think that is so. Um, specialised because Frank Kirby's decision making her awareness of where to stand off the ball when she doesn't have it yeah. is is absolutely incredible I think Ella Toon you know she might grow into that player but again when you're like exactly like you said when you're asked to find the half spaces I think if you've yeah. not had to play that you know, before and you're playing, you're starting deeper, which Elatoon was for England, and then being asked to find those gaps, especially yeah. when you've got someone like Lauren James who likes to cut inside and kind of fill those gaps. I think it's a big ask for a young player like Elatoon. So yeah. I agree. I think tactically she was being asked to do something that isn't necessarily her her skill set. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the goal was superb and it turned the game, didn't it? In terms yeah. of, uh, I think once that went in, it felt like England were going to get to the final. Yeah, I mean, it was a. Is it Alan Partridge commentary needed on that? Oh, that yeah. Shot like. Twat! That was liquid football! Uh. Shit! Did you see that? He must have a foot like a traction engine! It was like absolutely perfect, and the camera angle was spot yeah. on as well. Yeah, just um, taking the leather off the ball. Yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant goal, brilliant moment. Um, but yeah, now you've reminded me. Yeah, because it, it looked, didn't it? Didn't Sam Kerr have a second chance, if yeah. I remember rightly? Yeah, she did. She had a couple that she missed. It was missed. quite a guilt-edged cha- chance. Yeah. I think it was to equalise. Yeah, it was. Sorry to win. Yeah, Right was. at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking that was a lot easier than the one you scored. Yeah, <laughs> which is the criticism that Sam Kerr gets. Sam Kerr won the best strikers in world football. Um, absolutely sensational. But she had been injured for a lot of the yes, tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think this was her first game fully back. Um, after a couple of minutes in the previous two games. But again, Australia getting to the semi-finals, like we shouldn't get, look past that. Obviously, they were hosting, but it was a great achievement for them, especially without Sam Kerr being available. Yeah, yeah. And they had such a good kind of host feel-good spirit, which I think is always worth highlighting. But You um, love a host feel-good spirit. I do, yeah. I think Because I think it sets the tone for the tournament. I think if a host team can stay in long enough, it really adds yeah. something a bit extra. Yeah, I agree. Um, even through the TV, you kind of get that. Spain had beaten Sweden in the semi-finals. Again, 2-1. Nothing particularly spectacular. Uh, and coming into the final, I felt like it was fairly evenly matched. However, I did kind of think, especially we had the Lauren James conundrum after being sent off. Was, yeah. You know, is she going to come in and start now? Uh, come on as a sub as she had done previously. Yeah. I think really the final was, there was obviously a couple of moments of drama, but Spain were just the better team. It's one of them games where you, as a fan of the team you're watching, it's a nightmare scenario because you think, they're not turning up. Mm. They're not turning up. And the more the game went on, the more it felt like 
oh crap they're not turning yeah this up. isn't our day yeah and it, it had that eerie feeling about it where it just just didn't really feel like it was ever going to go our way no no i agree there wasn't that uh yeah it's so difficult to put into words but you're right there just wasn't that same vibe of yeah you strike us down we're going to come back i think even and this is obviously going back a couple of years slightly different team but the England game against Spain in the Euro semi-finals, yeah, when yeah. Georgia Stanway picked up the ball and absolutely launched it, yeah. you kind of felt like something like that could happen. There was that electricity, but it, we just felt flat in the final. And, and I don't think it's even hugely tactically. I just think Spain were a better team. They took their chance well. And obviously, it depends how you view the goal, but it was Lucy Bronze who had dr- dribbled inside yeah, from right back. She yeah. lost possession of the ball in the centre of the um, centre of the park. And then Spain go and score in the exact role that she would have been occupying. Yeah. But I don't particularly view it as a mistake from Lucy Bronze because ultimately if she is going on that run, either the right winger drops back or you rearrange the, the defence. But it's just one of those things, and Spain took their chance. Um, really yeah. good goal, and it was um, Olga Carmona who scores for Spain. A couple of things interesting to note for her. So she is captain. She scored that great goal, um, and again, not really a spoiler, Spain go on to win by that goal alone. Um, people might not be aware, Olga Carmona's dad had passed away um, a couple of hours before the game, yeah. and her family had taken the opportunity, uh, not opportunity, had taken the uh, decision. decision. Thank you to not tell her, um, obviously leading up to the biggest game of her entire life. And she obviously celebrates with the Spanish team. Uh, She does the press conference, and it's only after she's done the press conference, the highlight of her entire professional career, that she is then told about the death of her father. I just think, what a a crazy day that pretty much nobody in existence is really going to know when you've ultimately had your best probably day of your life definitely followed by the worst day of your life within hours of each other for the right call i felt yeah i i think that and obviously the family know her know her personality know what she would have wanted best or what the father would have wanted and i agree with you i think if we're in the same position i don't think we would make that call to to let our i mean it's an impossible like it's an impossible situation isn't it like you there's going to be arguments both ways, but I just felt like she got that day that she would never have had if she'd known. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think there's anyone in the world that you can tell that your father's passed away and then no. be like, right, go and perform at your highest level now, please. Yeah. Like m- hours definitely, later. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think as the dad, certainly in my mind, I'd be like, I would want that for her. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah exactly. But a heartbreaker for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the goal comes for Spain. And like you say, it's kind of... We huff and puff, but there's nothing really clear cut from England massively. Um, and Did then, we even have a? Was there a? You know what I mean by this? Was there an England moment? I don't, I don't remember. Think there was. I don't remember there being an England moment where that, it was like that was it. That could have been it. Gaza yeah. sliding across the goal line. You know I, I, the only thing. Anderton that, hitting the post. Oh, people always forget about that. They do. Yeah. Um, I, I think don't. the closest. Scoring little sick note. <laughs> I've got it tattooed on my arm. Sick note must die. Never play for England again yet. <laughs> I think the closest is probably, it's a bit of a reverse England moment in, in as much as if there was going to be, right, that's given us the impetus. It's Mary Earps' penalty save. So yes. Spain, Spain yeah, win a yeah. penalty in the second half. That was the only point in the game I thought we might go and get something. Yeah, exactly. It's when you felt like Mo might have come and danced on your side of the pitch for a little uh, bit. I love her. We I do love, love her. her. She's always welcome, big Lovely Mo. girl. But it's, yeah, it was Pe- Mary Earps who had her Jill Scott meme moment as well. Yeah. Where she goes ballistic, <laughs> effing and jeffing, just pumping up the whole team. Yeah. And I think that, like you say, that was the only kind of 10 minute period following that penalty save where we thought, oh, is that it? Is that the thing that's going to kickstart us yeah. now? 
But we were suffocated. Bon Matty in particular, she wins um, best player of the tournament quite rightly. And she was just unreal, controlling the, the game, being like a metronome, just taking the sting out. And ultimately, after Jenny, it's Jenny Hermosa who misses the penalty yeah. and saves. After that, there are a couple of little moments for England, but again, nothing, um, like you say, no big England moment where you're like, oh, if only that yeah. had crossed the line, if only they had given us that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just a bit flat, and Spain ultimately played the occasion better. They played the team better. Yeah. Uh, and they went away and became World Cup winners. So, with that, let's go into our extra time. Well, you have just witnessed. 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So, as we said before, we're not really going to spend loads of time on this just because we don't really have anything new to say. Obviously, we're recording this um, podcast post uh, Vilda going and being sacked and Rubiales being sacked and all of it kind of, at least from a figurehead point of view, being dealt with. Um just a horrible way for a final to end. Your 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 best ever moment, and no one is talking about Spain winning a World Cup. It was They're talking about completely a stolen. Yeah, it was yeah. completely stolen. That that was the heartbreaking part, and I imagine that's how the the team felt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, all the all the stuff, all the noise, it just stole away something they probably will never have again. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, retaining a World Cup is incredibly difficult. And if you don't retain it, the chances are in eight years' time, very few, yeah. like maybe two and or even three. even then, but it won't be their first time. Yeah. Even if yeah. they won it again, it wouldn't be the first time. You know, it's, yeah, to beat the European champions in the World Cup final, like, that was a big moment. And, yeah, it just all the all the idiocy that followed yeah. was just, yeah, it... I almost couldn't believe it was happening. Yeah, that I think no one was was talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is now the dust has settled. Um, It goes without saying that we obviously ecstatic that (laughs) Rubiales is gone and Vilda's gone, and hopefully this can be a watershed moment. But it is just when the dust has settled and away from the sexual assault side of things, it is just yeah, like you say, this twenty twenty three World Cup final will be spoken about because of Rubiales and Jenny Hermosa, well, not because of Hopefully not in time. History has a good way of kind of resetting things a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. And I, I hope once, because it's, it's hyped up, it's 24-hour news, it's clicks, it's, you know, it's all that kind of, everyone's got something to say. It's why it's, you know, like you say, like, you know, there's nothing new to say. Well, no bloody kidding, there's nothing yeah. new to say. Yeah. It's all been said. Yeah. I think I would hope in five, ten years' time, it will be about the fact that Spain won the World Cup. And not about some. What was that guy's name? Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? I th- I think that's more likely to happen. Yeah, I'd hope so. And ultimately, like, what an achievement for the Spain team that was in disarray. Like, it, it would make a great documentary. Yeah, yeah. Aside from the Rubiales stuff, yeah. what a great documentary to be like. These were the underdogs, not necessarily on the pitch because they always had great players, yeah. but to to win in spite of your manager and to win in spite of the way that you've been treated by your FA yeah. is incredible. Like the mental fortitude that those Spanish players have is incredible. But um, they went on to obviously lift it for the first time, which is great. Uh, the USA didn't really have much to, to talk about in this tournament. Um, they've been the perennial champions many, many times, but they just kind of fluffed it. I mean, they still had plenty to talk about, didn't they? Oh yeah, they still... they still. Uh, yeah, thankfully it wasn't any winning this time no yeah, exactly they, they, they do enjoy a talk i mean yeah. they turned on each other didn't they with a yeah a, a carly lloyd the um we, we talked to a hat trick scorer from right. 2015 i think it was 2011 and she turned on 
she's a pundit on US TV and she turned on the attitude of the now American team. Yeah. Well, she was so blunt, wasn't she? It was the bluntness, I think, yeah. of her comments. There was no sense of like, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. She just said the way, the way she saw it. It was because they were celebrating massively because they won a game in the group stage. Was that Because they had qualified. I, th- I think it might have been drawn. I can't remember, but it was it was yeah. they just about qualified. It from did the group look stage weird. I got to be honest. For a team of that, you can't imagine a, a you know top level Germany or a top level Brazil yeah. in the men's game ever doing that. No, exactly. Yeah, celebrating yeah. just about getting through with the skinnier teeth when yeah, it's a massive failure from a USA point of view. Mm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, like you say, Carlo Lloyd really went to town on them. Those comments are brilliant if you yeah. uh, want to look them up Hinata Miyazawa was the golden boot winner for this tournament she scored five goals and she's just signed for Man United so uh, if there are any listeners that are going to be following the WSL this year Russo's replacement well funnily enough Miyazawa's like an attacking midfielder so mm. she's not going to replace Russo in a like for like but it will be interesting to see uh, Arsenal women's are taking a little bit of time they've, they've signed brilliantly but they will not be in the Champions League they got knocked out to Paris yeah. which was a big shock a huge still shock. without Beth Mead though aren't they they and, are and Leah Williamson for that matter that's right yes yeah. they, they you know that by all accounts they definitely should have gone through and qualified for the Champions League proper but they are still missing big players I saw just before we were recording as well that Caroline Weir Real Madrid midfielder Scottish midfielder one of the best players in the world has just got an ACL injury so she's oh, going to be wow. out it's just another uh, yet another high profile player that is out with an ACL injury so I'm certain over the next three to five years this will change because more and more money and research will be poured into it but at the moment we're still at the point where the world's best players probably once every two or three years it's are weird, getting it a, yeah, yeah it's weird in the last five years it feels like Strange. Isn't I it? think I think it's more that these things have been happening, but now there's more focus on the women's game, so we notice when so many players are out. But Arsenal last year had like five in long-term injuries to yeah. their to their first team squad, um, which, and I'm talking long-term and to their best players, it's kind of like I don't know Man City being without De Bruyne, Alvarez, John Stones, mm. like Rodri for pretty much the whole season. It was right, maybe all right though. Yeah, probably. I've picked a bad example with Man City there, haven't I? Yeah, it's probably not right. I got a question. So, golden boot is for top scorer. Yes. Golden ball is for top player. Yeah. Golden glove is for top keeper. That's right. Yeah. Can a keeper win golden ball? Yes, they can. Can they? They can. Yeah. I'm gonna say Oliver. I was just about to say no, Oliver, I, Khan. Oliver Khan. No, I'm getting confused. I think he gets nominated for the Ballon d'Or. But right. I surely the 2002 will be the Ronaldo who gets golden ball. You would assume. Right, I'm going to research and find out now. I'll give you the answer. Some time later. We've done the research, and this is why we've done it. So, in the 2002 Men's World Cup final, golden boot was Ronaldo, golden ball, Oliver Kahn. There we go. Turns out, you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thanks. I mean, it's not good, but we love it. Uh, that is great. Uh, the 2002 uh, Golden Glove Award was actually named the Yashin Award after the Black Panther, Lev Yashin. Did he come win that one as well? He did, yeah. So wow. he, he won effectively the Golden Glove and the Golden Ball in the 2002 no tournament, despite his gaffe in the final, which is interesting. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But, uh, yeah, no, so, yeah, very interesting. You can do it, but it is a rarity. But um, I think you said it, and a part that we, we would have edited out is, yeah, Mary Earps was definitely close. close. She must yeah, have yeah. been she was of the great. tournament. She yeah. was unreal. Yeah. But with that... That is the 2023 Women's World Cup final. What a time to be alive it was. What a time. So we're going to be starting a new series uh, next week, and that is going to be looking back at the final days of a Premier League season. And the final days is kind of like the final days, not necessarily literally what happened on the final day, yeah, but kind of like the summing up of the season and That's how right. the season looked as a result of the, you know, 
the whole campaign. We're going to be telling a story, bringing the narrative, much like the Premier League years. So join us next week. 